0: I will choose
1: free will This magic moment wonderful
0: Hello everybody Hi Hi Welcome to the Homemaker Podcast I'm the Golden Greek and I'm joined, as always, by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, amazing trophy wife, the lovely Monique. Monique, how are you this week?
1: Hello, I'm wonderful. How are you? Doing fantastic, Excellent. as always.
0: Yeah. And this week, we are talking about one of our favorite subjects. Yes. Well, I guess one of our—it's fa- not like I—I I love it or anything because the—it's—it's it's kind of a—you know—in some cases a morbid topic, but yeah, the, the, yeah. So <laughs> I, I guess loving it is kind of a—we're
1: fascinated by it.
0: Fascinated—that's a good word. Okay. there you go.
1: We're fascinated.
0: Missing four one one. Yes. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're actually going to pull a couple of cases from the uh, the 2014 book by David Politis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's missing four one one. The Devil's in the Detail. Oh. So this this book's pretty good. We'll we'll, uh, we'll get into talking about that. But uh, before we get started, mm-hmm. what's new with you this week?
1: This week, well, as our listeners, our hearers, and our watchers know, I read tarot. I started when I was 19 and I stopped for a while and then I got back into it. And I feel like with anything I do, I always want to learn as much as possible. And I like to take different perspectives of things. Because I feel like if you think that you know everything, it's like, well, nobody knows everything. We can always be more open to learning. So our friend Karen Rontowski has an online tarot class. And I was like, I want to take this class because one, I want to see... If there's something else, like, I don't know, what can I pick up? And I actually learned some pretty awesome things.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And
1: also, I love Karen and I always want to support her. And there's so many times when I've talked to people who are interested in learning about Tarot and I can give resources that I know worked for me. But just because someone's my friend and I love them doesn't mean like I can promote them if I know nothing about it. So I was like... I want to recommend it, but let me do it first before I just blindly recommend it. <laughs> so it's
0: a pretty good call, Jasmine. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't want to vouch for something if I have no idea what it is. So I took the class, and it's eight classes online, and I did it over the course of about a month. And it was wonderful. It was awesome. I learned some really great things, some things I didn't know about. And I one of the things I just want to mention is the Celtic cross spread. I was taught a certain way, the traditional way of doing it, and I never felt like it clicked with me. And then Karen had a different way of doing it. And when she did, I was like, whoa, this makes so much more sense for me. So sometimes one way isn't wrong, or there's not one way that's Better for another. It's just some things click with people that maybe won't for others. So it's all about learning the possibilities. And that's again, why I always want to learn more about things, because if something you feel like it's not quite there clicking and then you come across something else and it does, you're like, okay, so this is my fit and this is what works for me. So I took that class and it was wonderful. I highly recommend it. If Anyone's interested, even just reading for yourself, you don't have to want to be a professional tarot reader. So go to KarenRontowski.com and sign up for our online tarot class. It is fantastic. There you go. And with that, if you want to get a tarot reading from me, or if you want to buy Organite, smudging spray, skin salve, incense, candles, go to my Etsy shop, Wonders by Monique, or my website, tarotbymonique.com. And you can find my stuff there.
0: Well, there you go. There we go. Terrific. Yes. And obviously all those links will be in the show notes as well. Yes. Yeah, cool. Anything else going on at all? Anything new? Well,
1: no no crazy
0: injuries or anything.
1: Knock on wood. No no injuries. My allergies are bugging me though. Okay. But Thank you so for. So if you hear sniffling, br- I apologize. <laughs> I have my tea and It's kind
0: of I mean it's kind of that time of year, isn't it? Or is this usually allergy season for people? I don't know because I haven't had allergies in a long time. I have allergies all year
1: long, so.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. There you go. But
1: yeah. So if you hear sniffling, I apologize. I'm not trying to sniffle in the microphone.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for that heads up. Yes. All right. Well, I don't really have anything crazy going on as of late. So uh, no updates for me. All right. (laughs) So with that. uh, Moving on. Yeah. You want to get right into this? into yes, this week's topic. Yes, I do. All right, cool. So uh, we've done, obviously, Missing 411 shows before. We did uh, one on the uh, the two movies that came out, the two documentaries mm-hmm. that were put out, um, and and some cases from the previous books. I think there's nine books total in the Missing 411 series so far. And I think one of the cool things about this topic, not that people that go missing and sometimes not are not found or are found dead... Uh, is is cool, but just the 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 whole I guess the uh, the way that this whole thing came together uh, the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? my gosh, I'm having a, a real tough time here. the uh, <laughs> wow, brain freeze. It starts with a C. compilation oh, compilation. The compilation! of all this information, all these different cases and figuring out all the unique characteristics that a lot of these cases share and putting it all together. And just the fact that, like I said, nine books and counting right now and so many more details with each book, more details come out, more patterns are recognized and noticed. And uh, like I said, with this book that we're, we're going to be uh, talking about today, The Devil's in the Details, uh, it's... It really goes to show you that, yeah, if you once you get enough information, enough data, and you start going through it and subdividing it and, and categorizing different things, you start to notice a lot of different patterns, and it's, it's pretty fascinating. It's, it's, uh, and I think, obviously, as this phenomenon, as this uh, movement, I guess, for lack of a better word, grows, and more people become familiar with it and start researching it and trying to figure it out, I think we're going to... When this finally gets figured out, if it ever does... I think a lot of people that have been following it are going to be very surprised, I I think.
1: Well, you mentioned, you talk about the people following. I feel like the whole Missing 411, it went from like a more underground, smaller following, and then it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. More and more people are becoming aware of this and and starting to look more into it. And I think part of it is because people want to figure out that puzzle piece. They want to try to... Have it make sense. And well, I
0: think they want to figure out the puzzle, not the puzzle piece.
1: Well, yes, the pieces of the puzzle. They want to put it together. I know what you meant. I just wanted to clarify.
0: Sure.
1: I know what I'm talking about. It makes sense in my mind. So they want to put this puzzle together. They want to figure it out. And it's not just because it's so intriguing, but I think a lot of it is because you don't want this stuff happening to anybody else. Whether it's somebody you know or love or just a stranger, you don't want this stuff happening to them. And we always, every episode, we start thinking of like, okay, well, could it be this? And could it be this? Every time we talk about this, there's always different thoughts that come up about what could be causing this. There's so many different things. And we're going to talk more about more Yeah, we're going to get into it now. Yes,
0: Yes, of course. All right. So... For anybody that doesn't know what the missing 411 uh, cases are, it, it's their, their missing persons cases. Some of them end with the person being found. Some of them end with people being found dead. Some where people have never been found. Now you'd think, well, it's just a regular missing people. go missing people all the time. What's so special about these? Well, these all share a certain set of characteristics. Now, I'm going to read off a bunch of them here. It doesn't necessarily mean that every case that's classified as missing 411 has all of these characteristics just that they some of these may show up you know some cases have more of these circumstances than others but uh, the characteristics are uh, weather events oftentimes when people go missing in a lot of these cases very uh, inclement weather will will happen shortly after the disappearance which will coincidentally i guess uh, will hinder any kind of a search effort that's going on. So you'll have somebody goes missing, say in the afternoon, for example, and seven o'clock that night, as the search party's out and starting to look, it'll rain really hard for hours, or it'll get really windy. Something like that'll happen, or snow. snow. Exactly, mm-hmm. and, and they're usually uncharacteristically severe, I guess, for whatever time of year they're occurring. I've noticed that in a lot of the different cases I've read. Uh, so that's one one characteristic. Um, persons that are found at higher elevations than they were when they went missing. Now, as we've we've spoken before about this, often if you're in the woods and you go missing, most people, especially younger children, are going to go the path of least resistance. You're you're tired. You're afraid. You're scared. You're going to go downhill. You're not going to go uphill because why would you go uphill? It's harder. It's more treacherous terrain for the most part. But a lot of these Missing people are found either alive or, some in a lot of cases, dead, and they're at higher elevations. Uh, the people could be disabled. Now, that could be a physical disability, uh, injured knee, uh, arm in a sling, something like that, or it could be uh, like an autistic person, a mentally challenged person. It could be a mental disability. Uh, deaf, I've seen some deaf people uh, that have gone missing. So a disability of some kind. Uh, persons that are found at great distances from where they went missing. So, for example, you have like a two-year-old who goes missing out of his backyard in a, in a rural town somewhere, and they're found 30 miles away a day later. How'd they get there? Did they walk 30 miles in a day? You know, those kind of things. And those are cases that have happened. Uh, bloodhounds or canines can't track the scent. So you, they'll bring in bloodhounds. You know, search and rescue teams will bring in bloodhounds to find the person. They'll get a scent off of whatever, a piece of clothing, whatever somebody has of them, and they can't find a scent. It's mm-hmm. almost like they vanished into thin air.
1: And with that too, sometimes they'll pick up a scent, but then it just it's gone. They just stop at a point and yeah. they, they can't get anything from there.
0: Right. And we've we've theorized that it could be because maybe somebody went up in a tree or something, but yep. anyhow. Uh rural rural, rural? Just, Thank you. Ror, rural? rural. Yeah, rural, we go. Rural? R- Country U- settings. R-U-R-A-L. Rural. Yeah, there we go. Uh, rural. R- that kind of a setting. Jeez, I'm having a tough time today. My Country,
1: goodness. Country, not
0: city. Yeah, so for the most part, yeah, there'll be... It's not a very heavily populated area. Uh, clothing will be removed in a lot of cases. They'll be missing sweaters, shirts, pants. Uh, the shoes will be removed, things like that. So,
1: And it's come up, too, with even special, um, especially younger kids. The parents will be like, how could they get it off? Like, the way clothes yep. are fastened, there's sure. no way it could get it off. So yep. it's mysterious.
0: Um, people are found in a conscious or a semi-conscious state. Now, this is when they're found. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times they're not or they are found and they're, they're dead. Uh, but, yeah, when they've been found... Uh, people that have been found alive, uh, they're found having no recollection of how they got to where they are. Or they'll st- or they'll be in a trance. If it's a young child, they can't articulate what happened to them. Or I've seen in some cases where they'll say something like a bear got me or something, you know, something along those lines. So uh, that's another characteristic. And then uh, another one, uh, berry bushes or berries.
1: People will be picking berries. People
0: would be picking yeah. berries, yeah. And, and that's something that... Uh, Actually goes. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit uh, later on. <clears throat> excuse me, where Mister Politis goes into uh, berries and their involvement in uh, a lot of these cases. Yeah. So we'll get into that here in a bit. So yeah, that's the missing four one one. That's that's those are the characteristics that will categorize uh, or help categorize a case as a missing four one one. So. All right, now we're going to get into some stuff here, and and I am going to be reading uh, pretty liberally from the uh, from the book, uh, "The Devil Devils in the Detail." If I can find my, there we go. Okay, so the first thing that Politus says uh, is that when you're looking at at this particular topic, obviously, when you first hear about it, a lot of people, at at, at first glance, I guess will immediately try to come up with a theory. I mean, it's human nature, right? You try to figure out what, what could it possibly be and you get a couple of different cases and you get a couple of the different characteristics that the that these cases have in common and you try to come up with something. Like, I, for example, at first was like, well, it's gotta be Bigfoot. Bigfoot's gotta be the culprit here or something along those lines. But then you'd get a couple of cases that have the same type of MO, but there's no way that it could have been that, you know? So So that's one of the things that, He cautions against, uh, in this little passage that I'm going to read here from the book, and this is uh, in the introduction, uh, he cautions against people just being very one-track-minded with their theories and their research. Uh, From the book, one of the constant statements I make in interviews is that readers need to go outside of their their normal comfort zone. If you've read a lot about Bigfoot, start reading about aliens. If you've studied reptoids, start reading about Lemurians. If you if you continue to stay on the same topics, you'll never see or hear the train coming down the tracks. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, but he has a he great point, right? Yeah, and and I think that that's that's one of the things that I've noticed too, uh, since we started, since I started looking into this like many years ago, and so even since we've started talking about it, how with all the information that comes out and as time passes, the more that the, and you start looking at other aspects that uh, or things that could be the cause of this. Like my theories have evolved. They've mm-hmm. changed over time. Like at first, like I said, I thought, Oh, it's gotta be Bigfoot. That, that went out the window quick. Like mm-hmm. maybe that can account if you believe in Bigfoot, maybe that can account for some of these disappearances, but definitely not all. And I think that what he's trying to say is that most of these it's we don't know nobody knows what it is obviously i mean uh-huh. i'm sure he has his viewpoints but he has that's one thing i got to say about him he's never tainted any of his books with his own personal beliefs of what it is yeah so and i don't think he's ever come out uh, on an interview or anything like that and said what his personal beliefs are about what this is and i think that that's pretty smart because he's not He's not tainting his research with his personal beliefs. He's putting the objective facts out there in books, and his documentaries, and basically opening the door for other people to look into this as well and maybe approach it from a different angle that maybe he's not seeing or he hasn't mm-hmm. experienced or anything like that yet. So I think that's pretty smart. Uh, no, it a pretty, is. Pretty good way of going about it. Do you, do you have any thoughts about that?
1: Well, what I had said before, I feel like every time we talk about this, we're always trying to think outside of the box on what it could be. And we're always coming up with different things. We're never like, oh, it's only this or only that. So I think we have that going for us. But and I know we've mentioned it before. It might not just always be the same thing causing it. Maybe some cases it is Bigfoot. Maybe some cases it is aliens. Maybe some cases it's something else. So, I think what's important is just being very open to everything and all the possibilities, and not necessarily having to narrow it down to just one particular thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's it's good to approach this with an open mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Want to get into some cases? Yes. All right. So we'll do. Uh, we're gonna do a case. Well, we're going to do a couple cases from New Hampshire Mm. today, and then we'll see how we're doing for time. We might do another one after that. So this first case from New Hampshire, it happened all the way back in 1925 on October 14th in Ashland, New Hampshire. A little boy, three years old at the time of disappearance named Robert Cass and his dog Fluffy went missing while they were with Bobby's grandfather chopping wood near the top of Bridgewater mountain. It was October 14th, 1925 at approximately 1 PM when Bobby and fluffy wandered away and out of view of his grandfather. Grandpa searched for the pair, couldn't locate them and called for assistance. Searches worked through the night when heavy rain started to fall. This region is very thick with lush timber and made searching slow and cumbersome. So there you go, a weather event right there. Boom. While searchers were out looking for the boy, Fluffy returned returned to his residence one half mile from the location where they had been chopping wood. Bobby's parents attempted to get Fluffy to accompany them back into the woods, but the dog refused to go. That's interesting. Searchers went through the night calling Bobby's name and scouring all sides of the mountain. The October 15th, 1925 article that appeared in the Boston Daily Globe described what the searchers found early the following morning. Between three and 400 men had searched all night within 200 yards of the spot where the boy was lying. Three-year-old Bobby Cass was lost on Bridgewater Mountain last night, was found at 616 this morning lying on a 30-foot ledge over Devil's Den. So that was the quote from the the Boston newspaper. There was no mention of what Bobby was wearing or if he made any statements. He was found two miles from the place he disappeared and in an area that had been searched many times. There's another characteristic. This is another of the many cases we've chronicled where people disappear or they are found in an area that has an unusual name such as Devil's Den. The other factors that exist in this case that are in many of the cases we document, the child disappears with a canine, Bad weather hits the area at the time searchers are moving through the vicinity and the child is found in an area that had been searched previously. So, that's the first case. Uh-huh. Now, I think that, I think the, the part about this one, it, it wasn't unique to anything, uh, from anything that I haven't read before, but the fact that the dog wouldn't go back out for the search. Now, your dad was a canine police officer yes. when he was an active police officer can you think of any times where either one of his dogs refused to go out to work
1: no not to work i mean at home when they're not working that's, like that's, we, okay. we, you know we had dogs like if it's raining or snowing they might not want to go out but as soon as that work collar's on everything's all work from what I remember,
0: now obviously Fluffy was not a trained K nine dog or anything like that. So, but but I,
1: I told you even um, when I, my brother and I went out in the woods and got lost, my dad took our basset hound to pick up the scent and find us.
0: And he found you, right? He did. Yeah. So Thank goodness. You know. Yeah. So I just, I, I mean, granted, this was a family dog, or, but again, I just it's kind of makes you wonder, like, why didn't the dog want to go out? Was it because something happened? It experienced something, or was just being lazy or it just cold or raining? Whatever. Like, what was the reason the dog wouldn't want to... You know, it makes you wonder. That that was. I would
1: think more along the lines of, like, it, it, it's afraid. Or it's spooked sensing or sensing something. Or yeah. sensing
0: something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's kind of where my mind went as well. But obviously, we're not dogs and we, we don't know. Did you have any other thoughts about that particular
1: just case at all? When we talked about it earlier... It just made me think like anytime anyone goes missing, it's almost like you have to say, wait a minute, what are the factors involved? And then say, check higher elevation, look in the trees, keep searching places you've already gone over because that kind of seems to be the MO and it's almost like if I hear of anyone going missing, it's almost like I want to call the search and rescue and be like, okay, this is what you should do. Yeah. laugh at me, but I don't care. <laughs> it's just like, I feel like, okay, what can we take from this? Let's try to take this and learn how to protect ourselves and others.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. But yeah, I mean, that, that was, uh, again, a case from almost 100 years ago now. Wow. Yeah. So why, why don't we jump forward in time a little bit, and we're going to go back to October 9th, 2010. So a little more recent, mm-hmm. 10 years ago now. Yeah. And this, this case occurred in Richmond, New Hampshire. The person went, that went missing was named Stephen Rowan Griffin. He went missing, like I said, October 9th 2010, in Richmond, New Hampshire. He was two years old at the time of disappearance. All right, so Katie Griffin had, uh, I'm, I'm reading from the book here, Katie Griffin was uh, Stephen's mother, had sent a note, uh, stating that she had heard about our research and felt that the disappearance of her son fit our profile. She explained that on October 9, 2010, her husband and son went to their grandparents' home for a family party. The location of the event was 236 Route 32 in Richmond, New Hampshire. This location is just 6.8 miles southwest from the location of the disappearance of three-year-old Lewis Denton on, on October 7, 1947. Uh, and, and it references the Missing 411 Eastern U.S. book. This, uh, did we talk about the Denton? I think we did. We did, right? That was, uh, we talked about that in a previous episode. Uh, This location is also 33 miles directly east of Bennington, Vermont, and one of the largest clusters of disappearances in North America. This residence is less than one mile north of the Massachusetts border. There's that number 33 again. Mr. Griffin took his two-year-old son, Stephen Rowan Griffin, and his two brothers to the party. At approximately 3 p.m., there was a large group of family members in the woods behind the home when someone saw Stephen chasing the family's cat. In a very short period of time, Stephen was missing. The group searched and yelled for the boy and then notified law enforcement. The New Hampshire Fish and Game responded and started to search for the child. Within hours, other volunteers in the community brought their ATVs and started to prowl the area. Searchers were calling Stephen's name and his nickname, Roe. There were no responses. Early on Sunday morning, a group of volunteer searchers made an astounding discovery, as is described in the October 10 article in the Boston News. Quote, WMUR-TV says Stephen Roe and Griffin of Richmond was found Sunday morning clinging to a tree in a swamp 11 hours after he disappeared. He was last seen chasing a cat while at his grandmother's house about three miles from where he was found. Local and state troopers and game officers were involved in the search. Stephen was found by a group of adults and family members who often hunt and ride all-terrain vehicles in the area. They went to an area where the child's sneakers were found, called his name, and he called back. End quote. The article states that they first found his sneakers and later found Stephen. So his shoes came off. Interesting. In my communication with Katie Griffin, she told me that her son had also lost his sweatshirt. When he was later questioned about where it went, he stated it was up in a tree. He also stated that he had seen cows while he was missing, even though there was no, there were no cows anywhere near the location where he was found. The sweatshirt was never found. Another article released on October 11, 2010, in uh, Msworld.com stated, "Quote: The group had to wade into the swamp to reach Rowan." End quote. I asked Katie the following, the article stated that the searchers had to get wet to go into the swamp to get to the location where your son was found. The million dollar question, how did your son get to that location in the swamp without getting wet? This is her exact response, quote, and that's the answer I cannot give, but I'm blessed to have my very opinionated, rambunctious five-year-old still with me, end quote. She did state that when she first saw her son, he had a blank stare on his face and appeared to be in shock. Katie did clarify that Roe had somehow manipulated his way uphill from the party when most of the searchers were looking downhill. He then managed to get through cliffs, through a swamp, and was found hugging a tree in the middle of that swamp. There was no adequate reason why he was hugging the tree other than he was scared. It does seem slightly coincidental that the other case we have documented in this area, the Dunton case... Also happened in October. It was a boy and he was three years old. Coincidence? In our studies of the missing, there have been many children that have vanished and were found in locations that didn't seem possible. The disappearance of Stephen Rowe Griffin is a classic case where even his parents can't explain how the boy got into the location where he was located. So what do you think of that one? How did this kid get out in the middle of a swamp?
1: just as a parent it's scary to think like that can happen to anyone's kid and i'm just thinking like put fences up include spaces so they can't get out and you know but
0: I, as you're gonna find out it doesn't uh, matter It that doesn't matter there are some heck, heck with it we'll, we'll talk about it right now there are some missing 411 uh, some cases that fall into this category missing 411 where people have gone missing from their homes. And we talked about one in our last episode. Yeah. A woman who went missing from her home. And yeah. it was categorized as missing four one one because it had a lot of these characteristics. There there are some cases that are in this book that we're, we're not we're not gonna have time to get into everything, obviously, but there are some cases where people have gone missing from inside their home when their alarms were set. Alarm was never disconnected and no zones were ever opened or anything like that, and they went missing. And, and they can't figure out how that happened. So I think that that's one of the things with these cases as technology advances and as time goes on, when you have some of these cases that come up and you have this technology that's available f- you know, freely that people are using now. I mean, ha- we have a security system in our house. Yeah. If, if a door opens, we know it because it'll make an audible sound. If people are still going missing with all this stuff around, you would think that that would maybe... I don't know. You would. It's just. It to me. It's strange that that it's still occurring with all these things in place. Like you're saying, you just make build a fence or whatever. But it doesn't seem like anything has happened as far as cases like this slowing down. If anything, Politis has said. He states somewhere in this book that cases have actually increased. He's Noticing more cases of missing people now mm. than there were previously, and he says, could that be? I'm paraphrasing But he basically He he asks and posits in here Could it be because There's more of a light Being shined on these Type of situations And, 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 and he debunks it In the book saying No it's actually More cases up, all around Are going up Of missing people So that's kind of a strange
1: It's strange but, and scary
0: Yeah Yeah Because again like, like I said You'd think with this technology You'd be able to It'd be a deterrent Of some kind anyway Or It's,
1: it's like it doesn't matter But
0: it doesn't matter Yeah Very crazy So did you have any other, any thoughts about Mr. Uh, Griffin, little Roe?
1: Again, just thinking like you're reading that story and I'm just thinking like, okay, keep your eye on your kids at all times. If they go over like a friend's house or grandparents' house must always be watched under, like have your eye on them. Like get like those little leashes, the harnesses that like you attach to your wrist with I, your kids. It's like
0: I used to make fun of people that had yeah, those. But now I'm like, I get now, where you're coming yeah, from.
1: It's like, just OK, we're yeah. outside. We're going to do that because it. it I, I feel like it makes me more paranoid.
0: Well, it's just just knowing that this stuff happens and mm. it's is actually uh, on the rise. Yeah. Makes you wonder, like, what what, what is going it, on? Why What is, this is happening?
1: triggering this?
0: Is something triggering it? What's behind it? I mean, geez, yeah. there's so many questions here that are unanswered. So yeah, just yeah, it's it's crazy. But that was just ten years ago, and I mean, yeah, it's it's still happening. That's you know, that's it. It's still. It's not
1: happening. like it's uh, something that happened, you know, hundreds of years ago or even like decades ago. But it yeah. doesn't really happen now. Again, like you just said, with the technology, with everything we know. With satellites and everything, and we still can't find people.
0: Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty crazy, and the fact that the uh, the National Park Service is still not keeping track of any of these people, or or they say that they don't keep records. But I mean, for for example, when Politus said that he requested a certain amount of records, I think uh, for Yellowstone disappearances, he was quoted something like thirty seven thousand dollars to get just the copies of the files. And then he asked for the entire country, and it was something like $1.2 million to get all those records.
1: Because typically with right-to-know laws, um, when it comes to compiling information, they don't have to do that. So you can say, give me so much information, but once you start asking them to compile information, they that's not required in most places. I don't know federally compared to per state but you don't have to compile it. So that's where they say, well, now in order to do that, like we don't have the software that compiles the information. So in order to get that, this is what it would cost to do that. They can legally do that.
0: I think what his point is, and he documents it well in the introduction of this book here, his point is they don't even attempt to keep any kind of track. He, I mean, he he lays it all out for you just need a, a, a notepad and a pen, and you hang it up on a clipboard in the office at these National Park Service places. And if somebody goes missing, you write down their name and their age. That's then like that, that's all you have to do. But that means but they they'd won't have even to do
1: acknowledge that. that that is what's and, happening. Well, and
0: that's his point is that they would have to then acknowledge there's something going on that either they know about and don't want to call attention to, or that they don't know and they don't want to admit that they don't would know it, that there's something going on. I don't know. Would it be considered
1: plausible deniability?
0: I, I guess. I mean, okay. I think so. I mean, they, yeah. I, so I, I think obviously we've mentioned this before. They must know what's going on or have a pretty good idea of what's going on or more sinisterly, they're directly involved in some way. The government is, mm-hmm. but again, I don't know. Who knows? This is all speculation, but yeah, that's uh that's something that he brought up and, and I mean, he's gone on record on several interviews I've heard myself where he said, I've got, you know, fellow researchers that are willing to put together the program. They've got it. All you have to do is implement it. That's it. And and never they just stonewall gets put up. So it's like, That, that
1: comes, that could be a reasonable issue for them because it's, if they're not the ones seeking it out someone's like, Hey, I got a program that will do this for you it could open them up to a world of trouble where if there were viruses installed in the program. But so. again,
0: even like he said, just put a clipboard out and write down a name. They won't even do that. That's his point. So I get where you're saying where it might leave a door open for something, you know, it being especially I understand the why they would government. say no to but, software. Okay, but again, just the fact that they're not keeping records at all, that's that's the mm-hmm. part that is it's troubling. And yeah. again, it's just like they stonewall anytime it even gets brought up, so... Oh, makes you wonder. Mm. Makes you wonder. Wanna go back in time again?
1: Yeah, let's go let's, back. Let's go back in, in time. time. We're gonna go. This
0: time we're gonna go to Massachusetts State, just south of us. All right. On February second, uh second. Second. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't. know where that came uh, from. I'm. I'm not editing that. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> On February second, nineteen forty-seven at two p.m. In Carver, Massachusetts. That's where they have
1: King, the King Richard's Fair. Is that where it is, right? Yeah, really? in Carver. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. Or um, near Carver, but I, I remember like that. Oh. I, yeah. All
0: right. I went cool. once
1: and it was awesome.
0: All right. A five-year-old girl named Irma Santos went missing. Now, Carver is a small city located in southern Massachusetts near the coast. Mm-hmm. The region has hundreds and hundreds of small bodies of water and swamps. On February 2nd, 1947, Irma was with her seven-year-old brother, Robert, and three-year-old brother, Roger, with their parents visiting their grandparents. Again, with the grandparents. Mm. The children went into the yard near the house, and Irma somehow disappeared. The boys went into the residence and told their parents they couldn't find their sister. The family made a cursory search and then called authorities. The community responded quickly and in force. Almost 200 people volunteered and spent over two days looking for the young girl. The search was methodical and covered the entire area around the residence up to two miles away. Fifty hours after Irma vanished, there was a statement from the Carver Police Chief in the Lewiston Daily News of February 4, 1947. Quote, Chief Smith reported earlier today that he was beginning to see evidence of foul play after a fruitless search with a police bloodhound and draining a cranberry bog. End quote. This statement shows excessive frustration by law enforcement and the belief they had covered all possible areas. Now, Politis makes that statement, and and just for anybody that doesn't know, he is former law enforcement, so I think that's why he can recognize these kind of things. Fifty hours after Irma had vanished, her two uncles were one-half mile from the grandparents' residence and found the girl in the woods at the base of a tree. A February fifth, 1947 article in The Lowell Sun had this description, quote, the child was found asleep when found. Her clothes were tattered and covered with brambles and her shoes were missing. End quote. Irma was transported to the hospital and found to have frostbite in both feet and to be suffering from shock and exposure. Statements were made in several articles indicating that Irma never said anything and never smiled while in the hospital. So what are you thinking about, uh, about this particular case here?
1: Again, as a parent, it's really scary yeah Kate goes missing I mean the poor thing got frostbite on her feet her shoes are gone. What the hell
0: and what why wouldn't her brothers I mean there was no mention at all of the brothers having any issues or knowing where she was or anything like that either so I mean granted they were young but I mean still. but if you're
1: outside playing and your kids, there's times like you can separate from each other and it just takes a moment for somebody to disappear
0: yeah. True, very true. I mean, we, we had the other child that went missing chasing after a cat, so, yeah. Now, Politus does summarize this particular case here mm-hmm. in the book, so I'm going to read right from that now. I've written many stories about missing children and adults who are missing their shoes when they are found. Many are found unconscious or in a semi-conscious state. These same people are also found near bodies of water. Law enforcement believed for some time that the girl had drowned in a cranberry bog and then they believed that she may have been a victim of foul play. It was apparent that searchers could not believe what they had that they hadn't found Irma. I'm sure it was shocking to everyone involved when the girl was found just a half mile from the house. It should also be noted that Irma vanished while visiting her grandparents it seems that kids vanish an inordinate amount of time while visiting relatives, especially grandparents.
1: You know what I just thought of when you're talking about the bodies of water? Yeah. And we talk about people with disabilities or children with disabilities. In regards to people with autism, people who are on the spectrum,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in many cases, they tend to wander they just go off. And there's different kind of wonders. There's people who wander because they have like a goal in mind of somewhere where they want to go or something they want to find. But you can also have people who just wander. Like our oldest just kind of da 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 da, da and like just totally oblivious to the world around him and could just kind of go off for days without being open to anything. People on the spectrum are also, especially kids, are for some reason attracted to bodies of water and in many cases kids who go missing if they're on the spectrum have been found near water so it just makes me wonder thinking about this and bodies of water involved could it be especially the older cases were these kids on the spectrum and obviously people didn't know back then. And that's why they're attracted to bodies of water. Or could it be something else, like something that we don't know about causing this attraction? My mind's going in all these different places, but I'm just kind of thinking about it, like making more questions. But I just wanted to think out loud.
0: No, that's, I mean, that's what we do here. We, we talk and that's, yeah, you're saying all that stuff. And then my mind started going in a bunch of different directions too. And yeah, that's, that's the thing. You're, you're right. A lot of these older cases were... Some of these folks, uh, especially the younger children, were they possibly autistic? Could they have been on the spectrum? I mean, even even a a very mild case or a very high functioning Mm -hmm. autistic child, it's still considered it's considered a disability, quote unquote disability. So, yeah, we're maybe that's some of the information that you're not going to find in a lot of these older cases because, like you said, they just they didn't know, they didn't know better, they didn't Mm -hmm. know to diagnose it, or there wasn't a, a name for what. Like, was perceived that somebody might have
1: What my mind is thinking is In terms of that attraction to water Maybe those people who are on the spectrum Are picking up on something about it Maybe there's something about these And that's why so many people Are found near bodies of water I don't know what that is But that's just where my mind is going Like maybe like being on the spectrum They're seeing something that we can't see about it
0: Maybe, they're, maybe they can tune into something that we're unable yeah. to or that we don't tune into. Yeah, it could very well be. I mean, we've heard story. I'm sure everybody's heard stories about how, and they've done movies about how little kids can see ghosts and things that, mm-hmm. you know, adults can't see. And so, I mean, I, where a lot of these cases are younger children, are yeah. they maybe seeing something or hearing and something maybe that adults can't? it's not
1: seeing or hearing. Maybe it's just feeling like that draw, that attraction. That, well, yeah. yeah, that attraction, right. um, almost like an animal instinct like just to be drawn to something. I I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's, again, one of the many questions surrounding the phenomenon here. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, that was the last case that I had picked out to read, but Mm -hmm. we've got a lot to discuss, though, because this book was the uh, the fifth in the series, and he compiled a number of lists at the end of this book with all of the cases that he put, new cases from this book and the previous books as well, uh, and and he came up with a lot of interesting, interesting details. Hmm. Now, uh, actually, I, I apologize. Before we get into that, I want to read the excerpt uh, from the book about berries because I thought this was very, yes. very interesting. And I know you're going to have a lot of input on this because mm-hmm. you know a little bit more about this than I do. Uh, and you'll know what I'm talking about in a minute here. Everybody watching and listening or hearing and viewing.
1: Hearing and watching. Hearing
0: and watching. However that goes. Okay. Berries, in Missing 411 Eastern United States, I included a chapter that dealt with berries and their association with missing people. Many berry pickers have vanished under strange circumstances, and there is also a correlation to several children being found in berry bushes or found holding berries. I won't attempt to explain the strangeness of the circumstances in these events. Please read the chapter before making a judgment. So I'm not going to read that chapter right right now, but we're going to continue here. In the book... The Good People, New Folklore Essays, a few stories go directly to the correlation we developed. On page 364, stories from Newfoundland are found that bring together local beliefs and fairies. Here are a few of the stories. My grandmother told us when we go berry picking on any other time in the woods, wear some kind of bandana on your head because if you get lost, the fairies will lead you astray, but they can't get you if you turn your bandana inside out. Although berry picking sounds safe enough, it does have its hazards. There were cliffs, foxholes, upturned roots, but by far the most dangerous were the fairies. Once they had you in their powers, they could keep you in a trance for days. Sometimes you would wander aimlessly or sit on a rock by the stream. Even though no one can remember being in the fairies, many can remember being one place one minute, then someplace else the next, and never being the wiser of how they got there. That's, I mean, <laughs> there you go. We just talked about a, a couple of cases where that was, the, where that happened. So who knows? Is it fairies? I don't know. Did you want to say something before I continue? Please. Well,
1: are you going to talk about that or go on to something different?
0: No, we're, we're continuing with this Okay, this topic. continue so and please. then I'm going to give my thoughts. Okay, sure. In many of the cases I've cited in each book, victims are found near creeks, rivers, and streams. Many of you have written to me stating that these areas have lots of rock and gravel, and it's hard to find footprints, and this may be the reason victims are left in that type of environment. Page 364 had more stories. The following incident occurred on Fox Harbor. One year in August, when the baked apples were ripe, she set out to go berry picking alone. When she failed to show up that evening, they became worried, and by nightfall, a full search was carried out in the worst weather. It was raining torrents, and the thunder and lightning persisted through the night. She was found in the morning in an area called the Sound, in a condition as Jim Spivey describes as only in her bloomers. Her clothes were nowhere in sight. The woman later stated she was taken by fairies. I've repeatedly written about missing person incidents where people are found without the clothes they had left with. In many instances, these individuals are found naked, sometimes in diapers, sometimes no shoes. Another story. A woman was once taken by the fairies, and when they found her a week later, she was badly bruised but still alive. They saw that the fairies had taken her into the woods and kept her alive on berries. She couldn't remember anything that had happened to her from page 350 of that book. They are fallen angels and live underground and are called, quote, good people, end quote. About 25 years ago, a woman from Clark's Beach went in over the Earth Hill, as it was called, to pick blueberries, and when 6 o'clock came, she wasn't home. It was dark by this time, so a group of men went to look for her. It rained in torrents that night. A lot of raining in torrents, Mm. huh? Uh, So the men returned without the missing woman, In the morning, the search continued, and this time they were successful in finding her. She was across a big river, which would have to be crossed by a boat, and there was no boat in sight. They found her between two rocks. She was not wet, and she said she was in a beautiful house all night with lots of food and lots of company. She said she was in the beautiful house with the fairies in the heart of the woods and had no explanation how she got across the river. This story brings many aspects of other cases I've covered into one story. Bad weather is a constant theme in many missing person cases. Berries are for some reason involved with disappearances in certain cases. In this instance, the woman had her memory. In many cases, victims have no recollection of what happened. How she crossed the river and how she stayed dry are key points to this story. From page 351, the story goes on, or excuse me, the book goes on. One little boy was picking berries down to the marsh and he was gone an awful long time. They looked for him but couldn't find him. He was discovered hours later in the same place they had searched before. He couldn't remember anything, and his berries were all gone. They believed the fairies had taken him. This story is directly on target regarding dozens of stories I've cited. People who went missing in the forest were later found by search teams in the exact spot that had been searched previously. Sometimes the area had been searched multiple times. If the victims had a memory, they could explain how they arrived where they did. I realize this doesn't make logical sense, but this same scenario has replicated itself time after time. No, I do not believe that searchers have missed people the number of times that I've chronicled. No way. So that is uh, pretty interesting, the correlation between berries and fairies. Now, Very interesting. Yeah. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, please.
1: My thoughts on fairies and the fae, I think there's all different types. Just like there are different types of So you believe they exist? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that with the fae, I think there are different kinds. I think there are some very, like, earth-based in terms of, like the good sweet nature kind of taking care of the earth and you can give offerings to them and they'll kind of help your garden if you will but I feel like they're fae that you need to be careful because they don't think like we do and especially if you're on their turf so if you're going out in the woods it can't it's it is considered like some people believe that if you go out and even if it's your own property, if you own that land, if the land belongs to the Fey, it doesn't matter if you bought it because it's their land originally. So anytime, like you go on land or property, especially if you're gonna take something from it, you should ask them if it's okay to do so. And usually, you you go by the feeling you get inside. If you feel like no, I shouldn't do this, that's them saying no. Get the fuck out of here. If you're feeling like yes, okay, like then you can move forward. Some people say you should bring an offering of something. You can bring milk and honey. You can bring cakes or something to them as an offering. So if I want to go berry picking out in the woods, I might ask if it's okay to take from the land and maybe give an offering in exchange.
0: What can I? Yeah. Can I, why is does the offering have to be something like honey or cake? It's just
1: stuff that they like.
0: So sugar. Not century, necessarily sugar sweet. all
1: the time. Like, yeah, they like sweet stuff, but some people will leave um, fresh tobacco. So, there's really? yeah. So, there's different things that you the fairy's can. fairy's going to
0: smoke a pipe? Do we... I, I don't know, maybe. Okay. I, I don't know. You know more about yeah, this kind of lore so than I do. That's why I am.
1: Basically, like, it's believed that that's the appropriate thing to do to not piss anyone off. So let's say this is fae and you're going on their land and you're taking their berries that could piss them off. So maybe they retaliate and they do something to you. But then there, are, I, I think there are different kinds of fae and I, I truly believe that if you have no ill intention, they're not going to try to harm you again. It depends on where you are. It depends on the type of fairies there they are but so
0: there's different kinds there's of fairy- all different you- kinds of fairies okay yeah. we're gonna have to do a show on fairies yeah. <laughs> sometime soon because i want to learn about this now it, all it, right.
1: it's like it's hard to keep track of everything yeah um like yeah so some you can like there are something that you can get in contractual agreements with so they might kind of help you around the house and you do something for them
0: kind of like how you make a deal with the devil that kind of deal no <sighs>
1: It's not like that. It's more of like they want to help and do stuff. But if you get into an agreement, you might not know you're in an agreement. You might just be like, oh, leaving milk and honey out for the fairy. And, you know, oh, and my floors stay clean somehow. It's like they never get dirty. But then you stop doing it and they're going to be like, what the fuck? This is like a
0: legit thing. Yeah. Yeah, we have to do a show on this.
1: (laughs) So, but with that, I just wonder, like... Out there, are there Fae who are trying to protect people? Like, oh, this person is lost. Or maybe they sense something's going to happen to them. And they're like, let me take you. Like, they know the rain's coming. Let me take you. Let me protect you from the storm. I don't know. I feel like there's so many possibilities once you get Fae involved. I think there are very good Fae out there. I, I think that just like there are good, there aren't as good. I think there are a lot, like, people, but they just... Act differently and they don't necessarily think like we do so it might not make sense why they're doing the things they do to us but to them it's totally logical
0: uh, right that's very interesting very interesting now <laughs> I'm gonna we're, we're gonna like I said uh, David Politis he took a lot of this a lot of these cases and he aggregated and made a couple of lists uh, towards the conclusion of this book very, very interesting. We're going to talk about some of it here. And something I mean, we're talking—we just talk about fairies and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And there, that possible link here. I mean, it could be. <laughs> why? Why not? Right.
1: Like I said, it might not uh, just always be one thing.
0: No. Yeah, of course. It
1: could be Fae. Sometimes it could be Bigfoot. It could be just somebody getting lost. It could be an eagle picking up a kid. It could be so many different things.
0: Yeah. Now, an interesting correlation that was found, and again, I mentioned earlier, as more people become aware of this phenomenon and more people are uh, start looking into it, new connections and correlations may be found. So a reader in Finland sent Politis uh, an interesting correlation between missing airplanes in the Bermuda Triangle and missing people that have been documented in the missing 411 books. According to the website uh, BermudaTriangle.org, 129 aircraft disappeared from December 5th, 1945 through December 15th, 2008. What is fascinating is that four people documented in the missing 411 books vanished on the same day as four of the aircraft. So here's, here's the list. It's just four, so we'll go over it real quick. July 8th, 1968, Karen Cooney went missing from Cory, Pennsylvania. Uh, A Cessna 180 went missing between Grand Bahama and West Palm Beach with two people on board on that same day. April 30th, 1978, Chris Vigil uh, Vigil disappears from the mountains in northern Colorado. A Cessna 172 went missing in Dillon, South Carolina. It doesn't really say uh, how many people were aboard. On September 6, 2002, Teresa Schmidt went missing from the mountains outside of Deckers, Colorado. That same day, Piper Pawnee 1977 went missing southeast of Nassau in the Bahamas. Only the pilot was on board. On November 5, 1982, Richard Peterson went missing from Delmont, New Jersey. That same day, a Beechcraft 65B80 was flying from Fort Lauderdale to Eleuthera Island in the Bahamas, went missing with three people on board. So that's a pretty, I mean, Politis even says here in the book, it seems like an extraordinary coincidence that a person disappears in North America on the same day as an airplane in the Bermuda Triangle. What's going on there? I mean, is that just a coincidence?
1: Could that be something having to do with water?
0: Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what you
1: I don't believe in coincidence. I
0: don't you know, the older I get and the more I read and learn about different things and I unlearn certain things that that I've been told my entire life, yeah. I realize yeah, there's no such thing as coincidence. You just have to figure out what the what the link is between mm-hmm. events that are happening. Now, uh, along the same lines there, there's also been a number of uh, aircraft that went um, that crashed while they were searching for Missing four one one cases. And he just compiled the list here. Um, in nineteen forty eight, a helicopter crash while looking for Al Snyder. Uh, in nineteen ninety seven, September 12, ninety seven, in uh, Olympic Washington in uh, yeah Olympic Washington, excuse me, John Devine went missing, and a helicopter crashed that was looking for him. On August 12th, 1988, in Silver Plume, Colorado, a Cessna 182R crashed when uh, they were looking for Keith Reinhardt. October 3rd, 1999, at 3.30 p.m., in Poudre Canyon, Colorado, a helicopter crashed while looking for Jared Adadero. On June 9th, 2011, at 4 p.m., in Mount Baldy, New Mexico, a helicopter crashed while looking for Megumi Yamamoto. So that's five cases where the person that's being searched for, an aircraft involved in that search, there was a crash. What caused the crashes? Why did they crash? I, I, those details aren't here, but it's just a correlation of... of it's just an in- interesting
1: now one facet might, of these cases, I guess. One might argue... How many Cessnas went down between there and the Bermuda Triangle? Is that three, three or four? Uh, the Cessnas. Let me look.
0: I'm sorry. There was. No. It's four total cases. One, two, uh, two Cessnas.
1: Okay, so that makes three of those. Yeah. So one could argue maybe there's something wrong with that plane. I'm well, not familiar with it.
0: Uh, well, the Cessna in uh, the that crashed while looking for Keith Reinhardt, yeah. That was in 1988, and that was in Colorado. The other two that we mentioned, uh, w- one was in 1968, the other was in 1978. And.
1: 68, 78, 88?
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. That's really weird. Yeah, that is weird. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even notice that until you just pointed it out. That's true.
1: That's weird.
0: Yeah. But uh, the ones that went missing uh, uh, in relation to the Bermuda Triangle, one was missing in South Carolina. And the other one went missing um, between Grand Bahama and West Palm Beach so yeah hmm. pretty pretty interesting pretty interesting but yeah that's you know you're right the Cessna that's a but yeah the fact that they ten years apart with a number ending in eight very very interesting very interesting now I don't know did you have you no, pu- I'm
1: just trying to do math in my head. Oh, okay.
0: I'm like, oh, are you were you gonna make a point? I've no, I wasn't I'm just sure. Trying to okay. Math in my head. So now that's one of the interesting lists that was compiled here at the end. Now he, he, like I said, there's a number of them here. We'll go over a couple more. Elevation gain. So he's got a list here. Uh, And and the little passage that introduces this list, Elevation Gain, there are stories in the four books about children who have disappeared and were found in areas much higher in elevation than when they were last seen. It's difficult to remember all the relevant facts and heights, so we put together this chart to show the extremes we have documented. Majority of the heights covered by these kids are so far outside the norms quoted by search and rescue manuals, it is hard to believe. Look at some of the heights conquered by a two-year-old. Are the heights and distances quoted for these children even possible? So let's take a look here. Now, he's got it broken down by, by date of disappearance, by the name of the person missing, the state, the age, and the elevation. I'm going to look at the age here. Let's pick up some two-year-olds. Two-year-old David Scott went missing on July 13, 1957 in California in the Sierras, and he was found 3,000 feet higher than the location that he went missing.
1: And he was only two years old. Two
0: years old. I'm only going to do the two-year-olds here. hmm we also have Eddie Hamilton, who went missing on August 12, 1910, in Canada, looks like Saskatchewan, found 1,800 feet higher than where he went missing. So another two year old climbing that height. That's crazy. We have Michael McMillan, who went missing in North Carolina on September 1st, 1, 1957. He was two and a half years old, found at an elevation 850 feet. Higher than where he went missing. Patricia Connolly went missing in California on January 29th, 1942. She was two and a half years old, found 650 feet above elevation from where she was missing. So, I mean, obviously the, the heights got a—the elevation got a little lower as, as we went down the list here, but still pretty crazy. The highest one uh, here was a seven-year-old by the name of Jill Hatch who went missing in uh, Southern California— November 2nd, 1957, she was found 3,500 feet higher than where she went missing.
1: Seven years old.
0: Seven years old.
1: 3,500 feet.
0: Pretty crazy. Now, another pretty substantive... Yeah, that's the right word. Substantial. Substantial. Yeah. Is substantive even a word? I'm making words up as I go here, folks.
1: Hey, it's what we do here.
0: (laughs) Distance traveled. So, if the heights conquered by children weren't enough to startle you... The distance the distances listed below might these facts come directly from search and rescue and law enforcement reports or news articles that were quoted in the four missing 411 books. Think about your children when they were two years old. Could they have covered these distances? Now this is gonna get crazy. So this is a lot here. He's got like four pages worth of, of names and lists. But same breakdown. You got the date they went missing, their name, the state, how old they were, and the distance that they traveled. Here's one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start the top here real quick. On a December 29th, 1956, Jack Hodges went missing in Arizona. Seven years old, found 50 miles from where he went missing. He traveled 50 miles in two days. Seven years old. Missing. Now, no I, food, I, no water, no nothing, but somehow travels 50 miles in two days.
1: And I think most people would say, well, somebody must have kidnapped him.
0: That would be the, the, the logical explanation, right? Mm. Let's look at some two-year-olds. We'll go back to the two-year-olds if we can here. Christy Davis went missing in Florida back on July 28, 1973. Two years old. Found 20 miles from where she went missing. 20 miles for a two-year-old. Come on. Here's an interesting one. Actually, right right below that one. James Madison, not a child, 67 years old when he went missing in Idaho back on September 11th, 1952. He was found having traveled through 15 miles in rugged wilderness at 67 years old. 15 miles in rugged wilderness. I mean, rugged wilderness in like half a mile is rough, but 15 miles of it at 67 years old with no food, no water. I don't know. Uh, How about... Andrew Thackerson, who went missing on August seventeenth, nineteen fifty-three, in the Sequoia National Park, five years old, found between twelve and eighteen miles from where he was thought to have gone missing. All right, five-year-old. I mean, could our five-year-old have done that? Doubtful. Doubtful. I mean, I don't know. Some days I wonder because they're so full of energy. Mm. (laughs) I wonder, but it's it's just that's that's crazy. Crazy distances. We've got another two-year-old. Keith Parkins went missing in Oregon on April the 10th, 1952. Two years old, traveled 12 miles in 19 hours over mountains. Over mountains. Okay. Yeah, sure. He did that by himself. Nothing assisted him. Nothing helped there. No.
1: We go up to the White Mountains. We go hiking up there. And we'll bring the kids, but we tend to do easier trails. And even the easier trails we do, typically we're going uphill. It's slippery. You got to have good shoes on because you can slip and fall. I mean, there's branches that fall and break. So even the easy trails through mountains can be a little difficult. You know, you have to, it's, it's not like you're just walking some little, flat trail it's and just trying to think of a child doing it by themselves
0: well how about this one June 15th 1907 Lawrence Marsh went missing in Idaho he was only 19 months old but he somehow at 19 months old covered eight miles in two days Jeez. yeah not even two years old so how about that there you go yeah craziness crazy now let me flip the page here Richard Rucker went missing July 30th 1953 in West Virginia two years old traveled five miles hmm. I mean th- that's a little less like, I mean that's still a long a, a long distance in in the wilderness in in you know it's yeah. it's just crazy like how are they covering these distances? Patricia Graham, three years old, went missing in New York back on May 31st, 1959, traveled seven miles into a swamp, was traveling for 48 hours in this swamp, seven miles into the swamp. So you're talking about a swamp that's so big that this child traveled seven miles into it before being found. Huh? Like, how does that happen at three years old? Three. Three. I mean, that, I, I think that would be tough for a 13-year-old or even a, a 23-year-old. I, I'm just, especially if you don't know where you are. You know, you just lost. You're going to travel that, f- you know, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy to me. Crazy. Red Kramer went missing August 27th, 1945 in California. 30 months old. Traveled five miles in 18 hours. Just, you know, as you do. So, yeah, pretty crazy. Wow. Pretty crazy. Some of those distances covered by by kids, but again, there's four pages worth of of, of of lists here, and it's pretty fascinating. And again, just seeing all these all these cases listed in this fashion, it's it's pretty incredible, pretty incredible. But it makes you wonder, like, who, how are they getting there? What's what's propelling them to go? These these great distances, especially in rough terrain, swamps, over mountains, over hills, in you know in heavily wooded areas. How are they doing it? Especially being so young, most of the time you go missing, you're, you don't have food or water on you or anything like that. How are they? How do they have the energy to do it? I don't
1: know.
0: Crazy, crazy. Uh, so there's also a couple other lists that are in here. We, we don't have to go into everything, but just thought I'd mention uh, people that went missing while they were last in line. So when you have groups that go hiking Mm -hmm. somewhere or or, or something like that, and the person that's last in line goes missing. There's a number of people that fit the missing 411 criteria. Yeah, and he's got them all compiled in here. Uh, He's also got a list of scholars and intellectuals. So we mentioned that a lot of disabled people, people with mental disabilities and physical disabilities that gone missing, but there's also been a a great number of scholars and intellectuals, people that are graduate students, uh, professors, scientists, people like that, that have also gone missing. He's compiled a a pretty good list in here as well uh, of what he had so far up to 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, People that went missing from inside the home is another list Yeah, you mentioned
1: that earlier. Yeah, which is crazy.
0: crazy. Yeah, I mean, we could probably do a show just on cases like that and try to pick those apart in the future.
1: I love that they're starting to, like, once we get to this book, they're starting to compile information, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, people that went missing from inside of a vehicle. So you're they're in the vehicle and they just mm-hmm. somehow vanish. People located in an area previously searched. He's got a whole list of people mm-hmm. uh, with that as well. So
1: that's a lot of the cases we've talked. I about. I mean, yeah,
0: right, yeah, that, exactly. Mm-hmm. But but now he's got yeah. them all compiled in a list form, which is it's it's helpful. I mean, he's got every single person. Compi- like every missing person case at the back of the book indexed, which is pretty, you know, again, like just for research purposes, if you, if you say you come up with a different angle to approach this whole thing from, which is actually something that I had written down to talk about. This is very useful because now you have people's names. Mm-hmm. So you could start looking up for yourself. You have them all in one space. You could start looking up. Okay. Let's see the story says behind this one. And then you have different lists where you have some of these, Shared factors all together, all mm-hmm. in one place. It's very, very helpful. Um, so we we talked about the the person that sent in the information about the Bermuda Triangle. That's something I'm sure Politis never thought of looking into. But
1: that's what I'm saying. When everyone starts trying to think outside the box and trying to string things together, okay, let's see what else is going on at this time or let's see what else these people have in common. Trying to figure these out and if everybody took something on and then we brought it all together, maybe we could make a dent in figuring out what's happening or how to prevent it at least.
0: With, as as time passes and everything and, and more of these books come out, more information gets figured out or, or hypothesized about. I think that he's, we've only scratched the surface mm. of what this could possibly be. There's got to be other factors that that have not been thought of yet or figured out yet. Other things that correlate and other things that maybe just haven't been brought to light yet. haven't been figured out yet. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I mean, what do you think some of the other things? I mean, this person thought of the Bermuda Triangle disappearances. Let me look at in compared, compared to dates of people went missing in planes. Like, what other things do you think could be looked at? Like, I mean, just for example, I wrote down like UFO sightings, Were there UFO sightings in the area. I'm sure that's something that's been looked at, but like just something that's kind of outside the box. Yeah,
1: what about ley lines, things like that? There you go,
0: yeah. I mean, you thought of uh overlaying the missing 411 missing persons map over the map of underground... Caves.
1: Well, no... And- somebody told us about that. Oh, and that I, is. Yeah. Okay, okay. So you actually put it together
0: mm-hmm. and it was like, Oh geez, look at the, mm-hmm. it, it was, it was fascinating. I mean, it, just how, there
1: are a lot of different theories and I think if more people can kind of take their idea and put the work into it and this is where like collaboration comes together Yeah. because we talked about it in our episode with Michelle Johnston about the way people are not, everyone's a generator, not some people are meant to start something and let other people pick up from there so maybe if we all start working together on this and we say, hey, I started this and somebody else can take it and pick up and say, okay, let me run with it and maybe pass it on to somebody else to finish it. If we all start working together and communicating on our theories and different ideas, you mentioned something, numerology.
0: Yeah. I thought just, just kind of thinking outside the box, like what if you... You know, find out what people's, for example, in numerology, you look at the life path Mm -hmm. and you figure out the life path of somebody by their birthday and their name. What if somebody went through and just looked to see? Do they have something in common? Yeah. Is there anything in common with all these? Is there there more of one particular life path, I guess, uh, that tends to be more prone to being selected, I guess, to go missing? And that's
1: a lot of work to do. But if like a group of people said, hey, okay. I'll take, you know, New Hampshire from this year to this year. I'll start going through you. Even if you just take a group sample, if you take like one from each decade in an area or something like that and everyone just says, okay, you know, I'll work on these 20 people and you work on these 20 people and let's see what we get. And then is there anything there? Then we can maybe rule something out if there's not. Um, Again, just collaboration is key here, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you hundred percent. But I mean, can you think of anything else? Like just, just outside the box thinking, like, what, what's something that maybe could be looked at that most likely hasn't been thought of yet? Like I, I mentioned numerology, just, just something that it, it interests mm-hmm. me. And how could that correlate possibly with some of these cases? Can you think of something just, just uh, random? It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, like did how many of these people, I, I don't know maybe a parents so worked in the government or so, you know, something along those lines.
1: See, I'm thinking more natural, like natural, but things that we don't think about in terms of like our bodies naturally are some people more, like because you're saying, oh, somebody at the end of the line, like if they're hiking, but I'm wondering if there are just some people more susceptible to having something like this happen. Is there something because we talk about disabilities, but I'm wondering like if there's something inside, you talked about numerology. I wonder about other things, maybe human design. Is there something about those people? You know, are they all generators? Are they all, you know, manifestors or projectors? Is there something there? Is there something about them spiritually, physically, mentally, that kind of a combination?
0: That would be interesting to, that would be so difficult to compile that. I because mean, you think about it, you need the person's obviously their full name, but then you need the day they were born and the time of birth. Yeah, and a lot of these older cases, we, especially we don't. how are you going to? I mean, get that you can look up records. You can go you and could, request but records. Can you imagine how long that would take? That's a lot of work. Oh yeah, I mean, even even just for say say. Uh, okay, let's take a sample of 20 people. You know how long that would take just to get in touch with everybody? but not you have the correct information. You you get
1: that information, then you look it up, then you have to compare because then you wonder, because we've talked about it before. It's not just like the types and their profiles, but then you kind of get into their gates. What if everyone had the same gate in the same spot kind of thing? Is there something else going on? And that's why it's like, I want to learn all these things and I feel like the more I learn, the more I'm able to think outside the box, obviously. Um, but I i don't know.
0: Yeah, I just... I i thought it was interesting that somebody thought to, you know, cross-reference cases of missing people... It's awesome. ...and dates uh, against dates that planes went missing yeah. in the Bermuda Triangle. I, that's, but that's
1: the thinking outside the box. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, how can I we, wouldn't have thought of that. How can we start ruling things out?
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, pretty... I feel like let's put out a
1: challenge to all our hearers and watchers like <laughs> who who wants to help us you know, like let's get a real strong connection and yeah. group like let's yeah, let's try, and, try to figure things out sure tell us what you got can we pick up from there can you pick up with what we've done and let's 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 work on this yeah
0: let's try to figure the darn it's thing not, out Jeez. won't
1: do any harm
0: no no i mean you You could stumble upon the missing piece that maybe starts to make the other ones kind of fall together a little simpler, a little more easy. Or even if
1: we just find all these quote unquote coincidences, if we find something, maybe we can find commonalities in each one. Maybe we can find some kind of thread that's kind of putting it all together. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's got to be something that would make a majority of these people, and this is getting into the whole theorizing and just brainstorming uh, portion of the show. But there's got to be something because you th- you figure you've got young kids that go missing. You've got, I mean, you've had park rangers that have gone missing, mm-hmm. experienced outdoorsmen, experienced hunters, intellectuals. You've got, you know, like, it, it, it seems like there's no rhyme or reason to who goes missing, but they all have to have something in common, something that if this is, say, fairies, for example, they have to have something in common that would maybe make them... I feel like there's something making
1: people susceptible for some reason.
0: Yeah. And and again,
1: even if it's all different things, sometimes it's Faye. Sometimes it's Bigfoot. Sometimes, you know, it's whatever. Aliens, whatever it might be. Pukwudgies, whatever it is. It could be a number of different things, but maybe there's something that all these people have in common that make them more susceptible, being open to experiencing this. And I don't mean experiencing it in a positive way. I just mean that it, it allows it to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, we've theorized in the past and obviously everything I've said in the past. It's changed again. Every time we talk about missing Every, 401, it's
1: like, first it's, oh, what if it's this? Of I feel like, yeah.
0: Can you think of anything? Has Have you thought of anything new, I should say, probably a better way to phrase it, since the last time we talked about this particular case, this situation or phenomenon?
1: I haven't thought of anything new. I've just thought of how can we protect ourselves? How can we protect kids? How can we protect? other people like what can we do and it's hard because i feel like there's no
0: well how do you protect yourself if you from, don't know if what you don't know you're what you're, going you're protecting
1: against. yourself exactly. from
0: exactly exactly yeah I, i'm with you that and it's funny you say that because that's the same thing that i think of too is like geez, i've got small kids and it makes me makes me very tentative about going out into the wilderness or the wilderness. I mean, geez, we go on walks in our neighborhood and I'm, I'm making sure they're like, right. I'm holding my youngest, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> one in each hand and I've got mm-hmm. my oldest. I'm like, you got to stay, you know, five feet in front of or behind me, you know, and, we're, and I'm talking to them constantly and that's, out oh, in the, I'm in the city <laughs> and I still, I'm paranoid. I mean, if we went, uh, you know, next time we go on some kind of a trail or a hike, I, I I mean, I used to make fun of people that would have their kids on leashes, but now like after, being getting so far into this phenomenon, I, I I feel like that would be almost a must. We for us. we have
1: like the little waist belts <laughs> that tie to each I mean, other.
0: Seriously, because I, I that's that's I worry about that stuff now. Call me call me paranoid, but I mean, it, it's happening. It happens, and it's on the uptick. It's mm-hmm. on the rise. These cases are on the rise worldwide. Yeah. So what's causing that? Something's going on. We just got to figure out what it is yeah. and I think you're right collectively I think is the way to go and, and I know that politis obviously a lot of people reach out to him and give him information and, mm-hmm. and like I said he world-class researcher right there yeah. just the stuff that he's compiled uh so yeah the book again missing 411 the devil's in the detail and I know you can pick it up at canammissing.com they're there I know that all his books are for sale on Amazon you can find them on eBay but they're 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 resell like the people will buy them from his site and then resell them for more money on those sites. So you get them for twenty four ninety nine right off, right from the source and support him and, and support him and his research yeah. instead of going and paying, you know, exorbitant amounts of money on Amazon or eBay.
1: And I just want to point out in terms of David politis and everything he's done. Think about one person can make a difference yeah. because think about kind of where he started And how he started and everything he's done. And granted, it's not like he did it all by himself, but he, he did. He obviously had people helping. He's getting information. He was the the guy that got the thing started. He's the one who got it started. Yeah. And think about like, I feel like anytime we talk about missing 411, I feel like that gets the most downloads, it gets the most views. I feel like there's a lot of people who are very aware of this, especially in terms of our our hearers and our watchers, that you love when I say that. That's what I'm saying now. But I, I feel like there's enough people aware of what's going on. So I'm wondering maybe is the next step not just letting it be one person to figure it out, but maybe it has to be everyone figuring it out, everyone helping and trying to think outside the box and putting pieces together. Um, I don't know.
0: Well, you say that it, it doesn't have to be one person. I don't think he's alone solely trying to do this. I mean, he's the author of the book. I'm books. saying
1: that's kind of how it started. Yeah, and yeah, he started, yes. But yeah. maybe okay, that's I the next step. Now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, agreed. It kind of starts with one person who creates this. Yeah. And then it's growing and growing.
0: No, it, you're right. That yeah. makes sense. That okay. makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's missing 411. So yeah, definitely check out the book. Mm-hmm. A lot of great information in there. And uh, like I said, I mean, this is just the, he's got several more that we'll, we'll get into in future episodes. And, and we'll talk more about some of these cases as new information comes out. And uh As our theories change and our viewpoints change, as we learn new things, I mean, we're going to, we got to do a show about fairies. We have to. Yes,
1: we will. I want to get somebody on, though. There there are some people who. Fine. know way more than I do.
0: That's fine. I just, I mean, that, just the stuff you were telling me.
1: But there's so much. It's so fascinating and it's kind of scary. But like, I. I'm cautious with Fae. I'm not afraid of them, but I, I have a love for them and a respect and more so for like just that connection to the earth. What?
0: Oh, no. I was going to say, is it Fae or fairies? Well,
1: Fae, fairies. There's all different. Okay. So yeah. it's not
0: like child children. No, it's, it's just it's like, like some people
1: call them okay. fae. Gotcha. Some people call them fairies. Okay, and some so people spell them differently. All right. So there's no. And, w- yeah. Okay. And there's, then you, you can get on the different types like pixies, brownies, like all different. There's like all, yeah, there's all these different types. So, um.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, See, and this is what I mean beliefs. I didn't know any somewhere of this
1: stuff. they come from like some think that they're elementals and some think some say, say that kind of when the angels were cast down some went to some became jinn, some became fairies there's all these different theories out there and I love listening to all these different points of views from people
0: were, were fairies you, you mentioned when angels fell down mm-hmm. that's a theory. Were they ever mentioned in the Bible or anything like that? Do you know?
1: I don't know because I don't read the Bible.
0: I, I can. I, I've I never read the Bible. I've read parts of it when I was younger in Sunday school, but I've never actually read the Bible. It makes me want to go back and read. Now.
1: I don't. I, I told <laughs> you like I don't like to read and now finally I'm starting to yeah. read. So.
0: Yeah. I, I just I didn't know if you knew offhand. No. But yeah, I've, I've never read it. So I don't know if there is any mention of them in there. And if there was, I'm sure it would probably be under a different name anyhow.
1: Maybe. Maybe. I don't
0: yeah. know crazy well as we mentioned if you guys have any input feedback comments uh, ideas on on stuff relating to this topic reach us please reach out to us mm-hmm. We've got uh, our social media is we have a Twitter
1: mm-hmm. at record pod
0: We are on parlor
1: at home record pod. <laughs>
0: I threw you off because I didn't say Instagram, right? Yes, the Instagram that's still not working. Because Instagram hasn't been working. So I figured, should should we mention it? Well, Uh. I guess we just mentioned we have one, but it's just not, Mm -hmm. for some reason we still can't get on there.
1: Also, if there's a missing 401, if there's a certain area you want us to focus on, a certain book you want us to focus on, anything like that, let us know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're open to those suggestions, Mm -hmm. of course. Uh, And we have a website as well.
1: com. Yes. And uh, as
0: we mention every show, if you're watching us right now or viewing us on uh, YouTube, YouTube or Brighton, you can leave comments beneath the show. I think yeah, we leave the comments turned on. We don't disable them or anything. So No, no, we li- yeah, leave yeah, a comment. So, Absolutely. You know, I leave comments anytime there. Every and-
1: time I get notification that there's a comment, I always either like it or she, I'll respond. Yeah,
0: you get all excited. Oh, somebody reached out to um, okay. It could be
1: something not <laughs> nice and I'm just like, "Hey." <laughs> There's been a few of responding. those. There's been a couple not many. of many. It happens. but Yeah, I just <laughs> I love the interaction and like we, we actually we had somebody um I think it was our last missing 411 who commented about some stuff and they brought up um cuz we were talking about the parks and how with the book we were talking about at that time, there was no information. David Uh, Politis couldn't get information. So we pointed out with what we were talking about at that point in time with that book, he hadn't gotten to this. We hadn't gotten to this book book yet. Yeah. We're kind
0: of, we're kind of doing these chronologically as they've come out, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So that was why, but kind of a good conversation. Again, it got me thinking about the freedom of information act and the right to know all of that stuff. And, how that would work with the national parks
0: yeah national parks Mm. so we mentioned youtube Brighton as well and if you haven't already hit the subscribe button if you're listening on apple podcasts Mm -hmm. Uh, i think we're on spotify we're on podbean wherever you get your podcasts we're on all of them yeah Uh, just hit the subscribe button and if you don't mind take a second, leave us a five-star rating, please. please. And if you want to write a review, hey, that's all cool too. Uh-huh. We appreciate all that stuff. It, it just, when, when you do that, it helps our numbers grow, helps the visibility of the show grow, helps people to find us. Yeah. So we appreciate everybody's help and support with all of that stuff. Indeed. Yeah. So you got any uh, closing thoughts before we take it home?
1: I just, I really want to see like, what can we collectively figure out? What, pieces can we put together anything else any other synchronicities what's what's going to be next
0: I anxiously wait as do I in anticipation yeah I, I'm I don't know I'm curious so what's going to be next but I think I think like I said earlier as time goes on we're going to get closer to figuring this thing out when I say we I mean collectively collecti- collectively everybody that's that's looking into this topic so yeah all right. Well, until next time. I am the Golden Greek Alex Arion. I've been joined, as always, by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, amazing trophy wife, the lovely Monique.
1: And you've been listening to the Homeworker Podcast.
0: As I knock everything down. <laughs> i think that's getting picked up on the mic that's okay
1: (laughs) what are you gonna do